Did you know that kinky wellness is integral to your self-development? Hi, welcome to The Partition, home of kinky wellness, the ultimate destination to explore the integral connection between kinky wellness and your personal development. I'm your host and kinky wellness coach, Dana Shergill, and I'm here to show why kinky sexual wellness deserves a rightful spot within the wellness conversation. Don't forget to join me each Monday as I bring on a special guest to dive into specific aspects of kinky wellness. So let's strip away the shame and taboo together and have an open conversation about it. Hey, and welcome back. Now, today was supposed to be the day that I was supposed to talk to you about the Kinky Wellness Summit. But as you saw from Instagram, we had to cancel it. But don't worry, the cancellation seems to be a blessing in disguise. Because since so many of you had so much interest regarding specific classes, and not necessarily the entire program, the partition will be redirecting its energy into creating a website where you'll be able to buy individual kinky wellness workshops that suits your kinky wellness journey. This means you'll be able to start your kinky wellness journey exactly where you are and to your liking. Because maybe you're in a position where you already know your sexual wellness goals and you just need the men's health class. Now you can tailor your kinky wellness journey to whatever suits you. So in March, that's what I will be working on. But for today, I will be talking about a classic BDSM and kink ritual, which is collaring ceremonies. Collaring ceremonies are essentially when one person or partner gives another person or partner something to wear or to have on themselves that represents a deeper meaning and accountability towards their power exchange relationship. But I also want to stress here that collaring ceremonies are not the same thing as getting or giving a collar to someone on a whim. Sure, you can give someone a gift of a collar and maybe it doesn't represent much of anything other than simply a gift from one person to another. But actual collaring ceremonies are pretty serious within the BDSM and kink world. As again, they represent a very serious commitment, which typically involves the partner's mental, emotional, and spiritual connection, along with a set of rules or vows to each other. Collaring ceremonies are very similar to the power and importance that weddings have. And just like a wedding, before you actually say I do, you need to assess if the person is worth making this commitment with. Because you don't want to run into a collaring ceremony because you have some external voice out there that says, do it, you'll be more like a quote, real slave or a real little. No, that's not the case. Because just like a wedding, getting married or having a collaring ceremony isn't going to fix any issues within your partnership. For example, Say there is a sub who is feeling, you know, a bit insecure with his or her power exchange partnership, and they think that maybe going through a collaring ceremony is going to make that person grow closer to them. Well, it's not. So don't rush it. If you're in the first stages of thinking about getting a power exchange partnership more concrete and you're thinking about going through a collaring ceremony, you really need to understand the why behind the commitment first. Who knows, maybe it's just a fun, cute thing for you and your partner to do, but collaring ceremonies really do mean different things to different types of people. For example, some people use collaring ceremonies to move from a dom-sub partnership to a master-slave partnership. And collaring ceremonies can include things like having your family and friends over, food, exchanging of vows, and of course, exchanging of the collars. 
Some ceremonies can last an hour, a day, an entire weekend, or maybe it's just 20 minutes between the partners who choose to do a collaring ceremony alone on a quiet Thursday afternoon. Some collaring ceremonies are themed where people have to dress up and act in accordance. And some collaring ceremonies include having a sub do a final test in front of the guests. And such tests can include doing a series of commands or going through various impact activities. And on the more wild side, some collaring ceremonies may even include drinking each other's blood, but chill, no one's saying that you have to do that. My point here is collaring ceremonies are as individual as the person who's throwing it. There is no one size fits all when it comes to this. Just do whatever you and your partner like to do and how you both like to do it. You also don't need to use a collar per se in these things. Some people use rings. Some people get matching tattoos, piercings, necklaces. And again, if we're thinking about the blood, some people do exchange vials of blood to each other. But even further than that, some people sign contracts. Some people go on the more extreme side, which is giving each other scars or branding. But really, no matter what you do, whether it's giving collars or rings or necklaces with engravements, the important thing here is to set the intention behind the action of what you're doing. The whole point of collaring ceremonies is that it's very symbolic and it's very like we are moving our relationship to a, another level, the same way of moving from boyfriend and girlfriend to marriages. There's also a term called self-collaring. Self-collaring is, of course, when you collar yourself, which can represent a promise to yourself. Now, I do know one person who was self-collared, and she told me she self-collared as a way to remind herself not to abandon herself, which is a great thing to remember here, because regardless of things like marriage or collaring ceremonies, at the end of the day, you do not belong to anybody else but yourself. So you always need to remember to take care of yourself first. And if doing a self-collaring ceremony does that for you, then all the power to you. But of course, when it comes to collaring, you, of course, can just wear one if you want to wear one. There's no rules or guidelines as like, oh, you can only wear a collar if you are collared. There are a million different types of collars to choose from, and they can be made from legit anything. So like leather, chains, lace, bandanas, solid metals. They can be thick, thin, tall, short, have spikes, not have spikes. They can come with a lock. They can come with keys. They can be tied with string or they can be held with buckles. Like really, there's all types of things that you can do. But real quick, I do want to mention some collars that do come with a purpose, such as posture collars. Posture collars are tall collars that hold the neck in place and they sit just underneath the chin. So they kind of like got your head as like a brace in it. But when choosing a posture collar, it's best to go custom on this. Because if you wear one that's too tall, it can hurt your neck. And if it's too short, it will fall under the category of semi-posture, which is those thick-looking collars where your neck can still move freely to the left and right. This, of course, is just one example of many different types of collars out there. But beyond collaring ceremony, collars can also have a very basic function and just a straight bondage scene. They can be used to help keep people in one place or they can be used as a directional tool when accompanied by a leash. Collars can also be added as accessories to a scene, such as being part of a costume, or maybe you want to add to a pet play scene. And you can also use collars to enhance an outfit. 
for instance, if you're wearing something, you know, white and lacy, then you can always get a collar that's also white and lacy to accompany the outfit. But of course, when it comes to any type of collar, make sure you never tie them too tight. And when you are using collars as a directional tool, you always want to make sure that you're pulling more forward and up so your sub can lean forward into the lead or direction you're taking this. You never want to pull backwards against someone's neck, right? You don't want to hurt your neck or your vocal cords in that area. So make sure that you're always pulling forward. Also, it's important to note here that if you are using a collar that has a lock, please make sure you don't get yourself into a situation where, you know, God forbid an emergency does come up, that you're scrambling around looking for the keys. And this is incredibly true if someone has more than one lock collar to begin with. Because if you do have, you know, like an area where you keep all your collars that have locks in it, you know, in one basket and say you keep the keys in the same basket, well, you don't want to be going through, you know, a scenario where you're trying a bunch of keys being like, oh, shit, (laughs) which key actually works for what lock, right? So if you are worried about this, a really safe alternative is to either use string to tie the collar together or you can use zip ties that can be cut. And, you know, just a little note here, just make sure that you leave a finger or two space between you and the collar itself to make it easier to cut. But of course, over time, just like any toy, tool or equipment, you do need to check on your collar from time to time to make sure that it's still safe. You don't want any sharp edges or damages that can cut or hurt you. And you also want to make sure that your collar isn't going to break anytime soon, right? Like leather can crack. Things can stretch out. They don't hold their shape anymore. So you really want to make sure that you are in tune with the gear that you're using. Also, when you are going out to get yourself the perfect collar, you need to obviously consider the sizing. Again, you want to make sure that it fits correctly. You don't want it too tight. You don't want it too loose, too tall, too short, or too heavy. You also need to make sure that you aren't allergic to anything. Now, there are people out there that are allergic to certain types of metals. So if you are someone that's allergic to metal, you can consider options like nickel-free stainless steel. Or, you know, I have heard of cases that if you have a mild allergy, you can put like a clear coating on your necklace. It's kind of like the same way that you put clear nail polish on certain types of rings. And this can help prevent it. But, you know, if you do do that route, make sure that you keep in mind that that stuff can also wear off. Now, another thing that you need to keep in mind when it comes to wearing collars and going to any type of kink event is that you need to remember to read the dress code and restrictions. Because do you remember when I gave you that example of my Halloween parties? Like if you weren't dressed to the dress code, you wouldn't be able to get in. Well, this also applies to certain type of kink events. So certain type of kink parties will only allow, quote, proper submissives who are collared to wear collars. And they discourage people from wearing a collar if your, you know, quote, owner or master or dom isn't there. So again, just double check on that and make sure that you are up to date. Also, what's a collar without a leash? Of course you need a leash. So what's my advice? Always get a leash that matches your collar. Duh. (laughs) But, you know, leashes come in all types of sizes and materials too, like wood, chain, different types of metal. They can be long, short, stiff, or even retractable. And when it comes to purchasing a leash, you know, there's prices all over the map. But if you get one that's on the cheaper end and more inexpensive, 
bet you won't be able to use much force on it, right? Cheap things tend to break faster. So just keep that in mind when you're going to make a purchase. But honestly, coloring ceremonies are quite cute. And really, it does show that relationships can be anything you make it. And when it comes to the concept of self-coloring, I think that this is something that everyone should do. Not necessarily, you know, go get yourself a collar, but maybe you can get yourself a nice little ring or a necklace, just something to symbolize that you are there for you. No matter what happens with our partners or our power exchange dynamics or any type of relationship thing that we're in, we need to remember that we need to remain committed to treating ourselves the best that we can. So maybe take this as a sign to go out there and get something nice for yourself. But if you are currently in a power exchange relationship and maybe it's been going on for a little while and you want to take it to the next level, coloring ceremonies is something that will symbolize that importance of you and your partner and what you want to do and where you want to go with your relationship. But again, coloring ceremonies are something to take to a little bit of a degree of seriousness. You know, just like how I wouldn't push someone to get married randomly to somebody they just met, you know, keep that the same with coloring ceremonies. Make sure that this is somebody that you know and you feel secure and trusted with and you want to grow with and you see a future with. These are all things and key concepts to know when you are thinking about a ceremony like this. But that is my crash course on the few things that you need to know about coloring ceremonies. And that is as much as I have for today. But let me know what you think. Would you ever do a coloring ceremony? Do you think that they're useless? Do you think that they're fun? Do you think that they're gimmicky? Let me know. But on Monday, we will be joined by RMT Mark Dwyer. He will be on the show to talk about the vagus nerve, from what it is, where it's located, what its functions are, and why it's so important. Mark is going to provide us with a basic understanding of what we need to know about the vagus nerve and how our vagus nerve is one of mainstream healthcare's biggest blind spots. So make sure you tune into that, especially if you know or if you are someone who has had a C-section. Also, I'm happy to say that Ray and I are teaming up again, but this time we will be working with Serena Haynes. And together, the three of us will be putting on a kinky intimacy workshop on Sunday, March 24th in Toronto, Ontario from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. I will have the event right in the description if you want to look at tickets. But I will be leading a kinky intimacy workshop that's going to incorporate the kinky wellness basics, which will help you explore intimacy from a different angle. Serena will be helping you and your partner deepen your bond through touch and mindful presence. And Ray's sensual body image workshop will help couples explore their relationship to their bodies and their partner's bodies through the realms of visual perception, self-reflection, and open dialogue. Tickets are $91.86. I think it's said on the website with tax and include entry for two. And you also need to wear comfy clothes as our workshops will be interactive and on the floor on mats. And you will also need a fully charged phone as you will be taking pictures of each other. I'm very excited for this event. And I yes, the first ticket has already been sold. But that is it for me for this episode. Quick and dirty. Let me know if you have any questions on collaring ceremonies. And as always, stay kinky.